It's Zo Time. Welcome to the Zo Time Show presented by HoopsandBrews.com. I will be your host for the night, Daniel Belt and Laker fans. Um, Hoops and Brews gave me the nickname Distraught Daniel because I was very, very upset during the Rockets game and during the Raptors, not the Raptors, the Portland Trailblazer game. So from now on, when the Lakers lose, just go ahead and call me Distraught Daniel. And it's just funny as hell that uh, TPJ came up with that. And man, last episode I was talking some big talk and I guess this week kind of humbled me as a podcast host, show host, whatever you want to call this, because I predicted that the Lakers were to come out of the gates just on fire, and we have not. We are 0-2, so go ahead and throw away my predictions from last week away. Just I was completely wrong. I thought we were going to just destroy the Portland Trail Blazers because we lost 15 straight, now make it 16, and I just thought that we had all this momentum with the LeBron signing, with kind of how we finished preseason, everyone's healthy. And I was like, you know what, now is the time that we're going to beat this team that is, for whatever reason, our kryptonite. And I mean, the Blazers haven't won anything since the 70s, and their fans talk a lot of shit about this win streak. But I mean, I guess we can't really say anything until we beat them, even though we have, like, way more titles in the modern era than they do. And I believe they only have one, and that's with our coach's father. So it's just funny. And right now, Laker fans, I am... Recording this an hour before the Spurs game. I hope we get the W tonight, the first one of the season, but we shall see. And I was very wrong on my predictions last week. I didn't think that we would have trouble, like, chemistry-wise, but I guess that's just the fan in me. If I was, like, an unbiased observer, I would have said, you know what, they're going to struggle because every LeBron James team has struggled when they first joined together, so I should have seen the writings on the wall, but I'm like, you know what? We've got very high IQ guys. They're going to mesh well together right from the jump. But we did play two teams that were the number two and three seed in the playoffs last year. And we are playing the Spurs tonight, who is another playoff team from last year. So we'll see. This has been a very tough start. We did lose the first game at Staples with LeBron. And this will be just like the other places LeBron has went to. He struggled early in Miami. Struggled early in Cleveland when he went back. So, again, I'm just very upset that we lost to the Portland Trailblazers. I was I was dead set on us ending that streak. I almost went to Portland for the game. I have a sister that lives up there, and I was like, you know what? Let me just cash out and go see the Goats' first game in a Lakers jersey against the Blazers. But no, that didn't happen, and we lost as well, so... Just sucks. At least Lonzo finally scored while playing in Portland because last game he was held scoreless in the Moda Center that night. He played really good defense against Dame. It was like November 2nd of the 2017-18 season, but that was the game that Dame hit the game winner against us. But he was able to score in the most recent game against Portland in Portland, so that's always good to get off the schneid. And we have a bunch to get into tonight. There's a there was a lot that's happened on the court, off the court. Um, the fight that was heard around the world, which was just, man, it could have been a lot, a lot worse. Laker fans, like regarding suspensions and fines and other things. There's always the off chance that someone's gonna break their hand 
when throwing a punch. That didn't happen, so I'm just glad that the punishment was light and no one was hurt. And then we have a bunch of, like, game talk as well to get into, like, the ins and outs of what happened in that Rockets game, how our rotations look, um, stat-wise as well, so it'll be a fun episode. By the time I wrap this up, it'll be go time for the Lakers and Spurs at 7.40 Pacific time. So, yeah, let's just get straight into it. And we will start with my Lakers wild hot take of the week. And that is we need Mo Wagner back because it's clear we have a big man problem. We only have JaVale McGee. It doesn't seem like Luke trusts Zubak, and I don't blame him because nothing we saw from Zubak over the past two and a half years is significant to where we can trust him in these type of situations. He plays well like every third game, but that's not good enough to be put in there. Um, It's very evident that Kuzma struggles at small ball center, and it's not for a lack of trying because he always tries. Kuzma gives just an incredible effort every time he's on the court. It's just um, I believe it was Laker Film Room that said that he has happy feet when he's on defense. And hopefully he can correct that. I'm not sure. But it's clear until Kuz can correct that and get better on playing defense at the center position, we need a big guy. And no, Mo Wagner is not this stellar defensive beast, but he's a seven-footer that's athletic, can block shots, is a physical presence, likes contact. I never see Mo Wagner shy away from contact. Um, He likes to get into it. He likes to be a crowd favorite kind of player. Kind of like, um, how about I describe Mo Wagner? Kind of of like Lamar Odom-ish, because Lamar Odom was a crowd favorite. Uh, Mo can shoot from three. He has a solid post game. He likes to throw it down and then, like, signal to the crowd to get fired up. And, yeah. And I think a lot of, because we aren't very good, like, offensively rating-wise. And I believe he'll be able to stretch the floor for us. Whether that's a 18-foot jumper or a shot from three. Or just, like, spacing-wise. I believe he'll be very crucial at creating space for us. And that's huge because... The more space that's created, the more lanes LeBron has to drive. And that would have been helpful against the Rockets when they kind of collapsed the paint in the fourth quarter. So, Pavi always talks about this. And for all the shit that the internet dweebs gives the people from Hoops and Brews about their takes, a lot of it's correct. And it's correct before even is correct and Pavi says you know what he thinks Mo Wagner is going to be this missing piece that the Lakers need and honestly he's correct the Lakers drafted him in the first round for a reason you look at the Lakers recent draft picks Josh Hart very good late first round pick Kyle Kuzma very good late round pick so I believe they see the talent Mo can bring to this team and Luke plays rookies he plays young people he puts them in position to succeed and All of the young players that he's played have been put into position to succeed. So we need you back, Mo. Like, we need your hustle and heart. And it'll just be great to see you back on the court again after a, what, five-month hiatus? You played last in the Sacramento Summer League. Wait, no. Did you play in Vegas? I'm not sure. You might have hurt his knee in the second game at Vegas. But 
it's been a while. And, I mean, he's really the only center. Oh, my. It's who? Nope. That's. I'm also watching the Falcons and Giants game. I'm trying to see if Julio's ever going to catch a touchdown again. I'm not sure. He just drew a PI call. And I hope he does. I love Julio, the receiver, but I think it's 10 weeks without a touchdown. So it's pretty drastic for one of the best receivers to ever play the game. And again, Mo is crucial because we do not have a backup center. That's, and it was evident that Beasley couldn't be that because I believe Beasley's only played two minutes this Lakers season. He might get more minutes with the suspensions that have just been handed down from the league, but we'll see. So Mo, let's heal that knee up and get you back out onto the court as soon as possible and just kind of get ready for the future. I he might be able to be a Channing Fry type with a little more athleticism. Um, man, I really don't remember Channing Fry in his prime. Um, some shooting big men that I do remember would have to be what? I mean, I guess it's a little after his prime, but Brooke Lopez last year. I don't think Mo is as good as Brooke was in the post, but Mo's a better rebounder. So I guess he could be like a Brooke light going forward. So. Yeah, we need Mo back to just kind of be at our full strength because I believe when he'll be back is when Ingram comes back from suspension. Mo's been practicing and doing scrimmages. I think he was cleared for like three on three. So the next step is five on five. Then it's full contact practice. And then it's game time probably in minute restriction wise. So let's get him, the Wolverine, back as soon as we can. Now let's get into our next topic, which is the King era in Staples and... The beginning to his Laker career has not gone as planned. His road opener and his home opener. And it sucks because we all have, we all had these wildish expectations and these dreams that, hey, when we get into close games, we finally have a closer to kind of like finish the games, right? And for whatever reason, we haven't been able to get it done. And I'm not putting this all on LeBron because there are many factors at play. It's just... We, as a team, look out of sorts, so LeBron sort of looks out of sorts as well in late games because we're not used to, they're not used to playing with each other. LeBron's not used to where people are going to be on the court. Um, the spacing's not correct. There's miscommunication times as well. And he's missed some easy shots that he normally makes at the end of quarters, but I expect him to correct that and figure that out to kind of help us win games as the season goes on, but... Yeah. To start the season for him, though, he had those two great dunks for support the Trailblazers, and we were up by like 10 in the first quarter, and I'm like, oh shit, here we go. We are going to win this game. We are just going to... Because we were up heavily in that first quarter. Things were clicking. I'm like, you know what? This is LeBron that we all expected we would get. Still in his prime. Still this just freak of nature, this multi-talented basketball player, but like as the games have gone on, like, he actually looks his age. And that's kind of not what we were wanting, but it was going to happen eventually. And even though he does look 33, he's still a top five, top three NBA player in the league, probably number one. It's just he does look less explosive at times. And this might be kind of what Kobe did in the 2012-13 season because they're basically the same age for that season as LeBron is now. In the 2012-13 season, Kobe's like 33. 
Now LeBron's 33. Kobe would kind of conserve his dunks, conserve his energy, and he'd say, like, he didn't know how many dunks he has left, so he's just, like, going to save them. And maybe LeBron's doing that as well because he's not getting as much elevation in the paint as well. So a lot of those layups where he finishes through contact, he's missing. And since he's LeBron, they're not going to give him a foul call because what a regular foul on Lonzo would look like is very different than what a foul on LeBron would look like. If, Le if Lonzo gets any sort of contact, he's probably going to fall over or, like, you could tell he'll have to adjust the shot so they'll call the foul. If LeBron gets hit, he's strong enough to continue his actual, like, shooting motion to where it looks normal so you don't think there's a foul call. So now that kind of that explosiveness to be able to rise up and finish over you is gone, it'll be interesting to see if like we get rewarded for those foul calls, like the, stup the superstar calls, the ones which James Harden gets way too much of. So I'm hoping LeBron gets the benefit of the whistle like LaFlop does, but we'll see. LaFlop. That's LeBearded Flop now because we can't call LaFlop LeBron LaFlop anymore because he's on our team, so let's just get rid of that. And... Yeah, even though we've lost both games that he's been in, they've been very close. His stats have looked very, very well, and it's because he's LeBron James. Even if he's 33, even if he's tired, he's always going to fill the stat sheet because he's that freaking great. He is considered the greatest for a reason. He can do things that no other, no others can, and even in his, what, 16th straight season of being healthy, playing all of it, after eight straight finals appearances, he's still able to play 39 minutes on the court and just be this presence that not a lot of people can be. It's just in the fourth quarter, it looks like he struggles. Maybe that's like a start of season thing where he's just not conditioned yet. Um, maybe it's just he's trying to let other people on the team figure it out late to kind of like, that's that whole help me help you thing where, hey, you figure this out now. And then once we get to the playoffs, you have that in your game. He already knows that he can finish games. We saw that in the 2017-18 playoffs. Maybe he's, like, keeping it close, wanting Lonzo or Kuzma or Ingram or Hart to step up to kind of, like, get that confidence, you know, to where when it's in the playoffs and they're doubling LeBron, one of our young guys already has that closing mentality, the resume to do it. So that could be something as well. That's something that I like to think that maybe LeBron and Luke have communicated about and maybe the whole team has to where LeBron realizes, hey, I can't do it alone anymore. He's like, I've led eight teams to the NBA Finals in a row. I physically can't. I can only take us so far. So maybe he's realizing, you know what, this young core, which is fantastic, I need to help them become the closers they are that they need to be for us to win a championship Probably not this year, but for years to come. And let's see. We play the Spurs tonight, and hopefully that helps the King get his first win in Staples. And his first win in the purple and gold jersey. And let's like lay off LeBron for backing up Chris Paul. And also, fuck Chris Paul, but in my opinion, I don't believe LeBron was wrong at all in this situation. Yes, a lot of people are saying that whole... Uh, Stay down, help your brother up, and like saying that LeBron went against his team, but sometimes the game is bigger than basketball. 
Actually, not just sometimes. Always, the game is bigger than basketball. And CP3 is the godfather to Bronze Kids. They're very close. They have this amazing relationship. So, you know what? Hey, this happened in the NFL with Marshawn Lynch and Marcus Peters, and I don't believe Marshawn get, got this much backlash. They just said, oh, that's Marshawn being Marshawn because they're actually cousins, and you know what? Sometimes distant cousins and the godfather relationship is almost the same, kind of. Um, LeBron did keep the peace after punches were thrown. Um, kind of prevented CP3 from going back in, maybe causing this to escalate. So I will give him the benefit of the doubt for this, and I believe others as well. Um, LeBron's always been known to have his teammates back, and probably that happened behind closed doors. It's just at that moment, LeBron was like, hey, let me try to de-escalate this situation to make sure his brother off the court is safe, and yeah, I don't find any fault in that. It's just I hate that it was Chris Paul because Chris Paul's a bitch, but the game is bigger than basketball, and you have to understand that, and People are saying Michael wouldn't or Kobe wouldn't have. Just stop trying to find any dumb scenario to compare these great athletes, these great basketball players. Just respect their greatness. That's all I want to see. And one thing I will say I'm concerned about LeBron with is his three-point percentage. Um, so far this season, he's one for 11 from three in his first two games in the purple and gold, and that's terrible. That's 9%. That is just atrocious. I think I could go out there on an NBA court right now, even though the distance is a lot farther than I'm, no, I'm used to shooting, and make at least one for 11. Because that's, ah, that's not asking for that much, just to get lucky one time. That's not that tough. And for the Lakers to be successful, like Pavi has mentioned previous time, like I have mentioned previous time, this Laker thing is only going to work if LeBron can knock down threes like he needs to shoot as well as he did in cleveland the past two years that's like 36 to 40 percent range from three is what we need from lebron that's it because again if you have to respect his jumper at all times it opens up so much for his game spacing for other people's games and we just need that to just happen we are I think one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league. We started the Portland Trailblazer game 0 of 15, so we just need LeBron to be able to knock down shots like he did in Cleveland from three. But even after all that saying, hey, he looks 33, hey, he's not shooting great from three, he's averaging 25 points, eight and a half rebounds, and five and a half assists. Like, that's still very fucking good for a guy that is gelling with his teammates, is... Still getting accustomed to this roster, probably still getting conditioned, and even struggling from three. That's still pretty good. Imagine if he was at if he was shooting twenty five percent from three, he'd probably be at like thirty eight and a half and five. So I'm not concerned about LeBron James at all. He's the greatest player of all time, and like I mentioned, it just. A few moments ago, I think he's not going full Super Saiyan yet just because he wants to develop others. And that's not that hard to kind of see. And I don't think I'm reaching with that because 
he did help Kyrie develop in his Mamba mentality closing games. He probably helped Kevin Love in that situation as well. And I'm very excited with Rondo's sideline to see the chemistry, the chemistry between Lonzo and LeBron because whenever Lonzo and LeBron share the court together, there's always like this extra buzz, this extra like, how would you call it? Like um, the sixth sense to where an amazing play is going to happen because their court vision, their athleticism, their just unselfishness. When they're on the court together, I just... I'm always about ready to stand up and shout because I think something drastically amazing is going to happen. So I can't wait until tip-off starts tonight and that lob that LeBron threw to Lonzo in preseason. Hopefully we see some lobs between the two. And also, big shout-out to Pavi, man. Big shout-out. You get to see your favorite player tonight in LeBron James at Staples. I hope you actually bring the Lakers some good luck tonight and help us get that W. And please just don't run out on the court. I can imagine if... uh, So you know how the fight just went down between the Lakers and Rockets. If someone took a swing at LeBron, I think Pavi would be on the fucking floor defending LeBron. I think... I don't know where he's sitting, but I can just picture Pavi in his fucking boots running onto the court. So... That shit would be hilarious. Have a blast, man, and let's just hope your GOAT and my favorite team figure this shit out. Next, let's get into the big shit popping, little shit stopping portion of it, of this podcast. And until T.I. sues me, I'm going to keep going with this because I love fucking T.I. Like, T.I. had hit after hit after hit in the 2000s, and no one can take that away from him even though he's signed some terrible artists and he's kind of been i wouldn't say irrelevant but he hasn't had any good hits lit any good hits as of late i know he just dropped an album i haven't listened to it yet i'll give it a listen ti but you know we always have to do it like this and i'm going to do it to the maximum and i will never listen to that sucker when they say i'm too irrational i mixed in some of his lyrics with some actual like me talk so I hope you guys appreciated that shit, but again, I'm always going to start with the negative portion of this segment, and the negative portion of this segment segment is our three-point shooting. It is fucking terrible. Like, it is atrocious. It's 24.2% to start the year, and no team is going to amount of anything special if you're shooting 24% from three. And it's not just... It's not like we're missing bad shots. We are missing open three-pointers. So hopefully, like, the odds level out later in the season to where that rises, like, 10%. Because, man, even if you make it 10% more per game, that's probably an extra three to four three-pointers per game. If we hit that clip, we win the first two games. We're 2-0. So we need to improve that if we're going to ever amount to anything. And that's talking to everybody. We need everyone needs to just have confidence in their shot, drain it when you're open. And for the love of God, if you have an open three-pointer and you have the green light to take it, shoot it. Except KCP. I don't know what you need, KCP, but a little bit more on you, like in just a few moments. And Yeah, like LeBron shooting terrible from three, 
KCP shooting terrible from three. Kuzma's ter- make, uh, shooting terrible from three. Josh Hart shooting all right from three. Um, Ingram hasn't made a three yet this season, and he won't for the next four games. Rondo's actually shot okay from three. Lonzo's shot pretty good from three. So, like, we'll see. We have to be able to knock down the three-point shot because that's where the NBA is going. You have to be able to knock down three-pointers to win. And I believe we've been outshot both games throughout the season from three, and that's why we've lost. And I was listening to the Hoops and Brews podcast where they just had a Coach Nick on from B-Ball Breakdown talking about if the other team makes five more three-pointers than you, you normally lose. And if it's in that seven to eight range, it's almost a guaranteed loss. So we need to be able to keep up with these three-point shooting teams. And I'm not saying we need to shoot 50 times per game like the Rockets do, but we need to be able to be within that five uh, three-point made more than us, like... um, vicinity or we're going to lose next on the little shit pop a little shit stopping portion is free throw percentages um terrible again it's 70 percent it's not where it needs to be it needs to be 78 to 80 percent as a team um i don't know if we've made a technical free throw yet i know kcp missed one and i'm not trying to bash on kcp but it's gonna happen and um i apologize because i've never heard anything negative about kcp except for the DUI incident. And I know he had a very tough year off the court last year, but we need you to step up, man. You're making the amount of money you do. You're starting, and we just need you to step up. And I guess I'll just put into the KCP portion of the little shit stopping thing. And, man, if you don't produce, your spot's going to get taken by Josh Hart. I know you played... Good perimeter defense, KCP. I know you're buddy-buddy with LeBron. I know you're only like 25, so there still is room for improvement, but you're getting open shots. You're getting plays ran for you, and you're just missing. So we need to turn that around sooner rather than later because if you just hit a couple more shots per game, we win. Simple as that. If you hit your averages from last year, we win. And we'll get to the last portion of the uh, little shit stop and stage and that is these rotations after after that first game against the portland trailblazers i never want to see michael beasley and kuzma as our two big guys that was terrible like it was frightening to watch like i believe that's when the blazers kind of came back in the first quarter and that's the reason why beasley only played two minutes because it was god awful that will never work like just never ever also, I want to see when Ingram comes back, I want to see more of Ingram and Lonzo together. I believe what they bring to the basketball court really complements each other, and it's a shame that they don't get more burned together. I like when Luke plays Lonzo and Hart together because they have been playing very well together. And I haven't checked like the lineup, sti- lineup stats to back what I'm saying, but I'm just using like the eye test when I see Hart and Lonzo play. It's normally good defense mixed in with good ball movement on the offensive side with Hart finishing in transition, Lonzo finding him, and just pushing the pace. Hart can dribble now. He can push up. He can push the ball up the court as well and not look lost. So some of these rotations need to just be completely thrown away. We need to figure out how to, when Mo gets back, 
how to implement him into the um, starting line, or not starting lineup, but like the actual rotation. And I want to see Svi get some minutes. Maybe with Rondo out and Ingram out, it opens up some minutes for Svi because we could desperately need his shooting. He is more than just a shooter, though. He's a defender. He's a rebounder. Maybe can help with both because we're lacking in defense and rebounds right now. So let's get Zvi off the bench and maybe into some actual game time moments because we could definitely use the sharpshooter out of Kansas. Now let's get to the big shit popping portion of this little segment. And I am surprised with who I'm leading this off with. And that is JaVale McMotherfucking Gee. He has played extremely well for, like, the starting, like, as a starting center for the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, <laughs> again, I'm always going to talk about what Hoops and Bruce says, what Pavi and TPJ say, because they are who I listen to as regards to, like, basketball daily. Because they are a lot more entertaining than the people I see on TV. I believe... Uh, the whole Shannon and Skip thing overplayed. I do enjoy Stephen A. Smith just going off at random times, but it seems like whatever Stephen A. Smith goes on about, he has no idea what of. But again, I will probably always check in on Hoops and Brews and see what like they're talking about on their podcast or following along on their Twitter page. And if you haven't done it, go, go ahead and follow them as well on Twitter, SoundCloud, um, Apple Podcasts, and newly 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 is going to be the iheart radio app so if you have all of those go ahead and give them some love um they are very good at responding to everyone's questions on twitter also they have a great youtube channel as well so go follow that i believe they almost respond to every single comment that you guys leave on the videos so just show them love i believe they do a better job than a lot of your favorites favorites on tv and I believe they have a better fan interaction than your favorites as well. So go ahead and show them some love. And they said, hey, JaVale is... <laughs> I, think, I believe Pavi said if JaVale played more, like he'd be an all-star. And his per 36 numbers show that. It's just JaVale can't play that much because of the asthma that he has. And he can only play like 25 minutes a game because his body starts to shut down if he gets winded too often especially at the pace we play but when JaVale is in the game he's leading the block he's leading the league in blocks with four per game he's finishing everything around the rim he's even hitting some I wouldn't want him to continue to shoot these but he had a fadeaway jumper against the Rockets I haven't seen him attempt a three yet I'm assuming he's going to at some point but He's just more skilled than I believe a lot of people give him credit for. A lot of people say he's the Shaq and a fool guy. But when he actually plays, he has a tremendous and valuable skill set for the modern NBA because he could run from rim to rim, finish, block. I need to see him set better screens to kind of help our shooters get more open. So that's what I want to see from JaVale going into this week. And surprisingly, when he dribbles, I'm not that scared that he's going to turn the ball over. And if we don't sign anyone next season at the big man spot, I would love to see JaVale back. Like, I believe I believe he has a ton of value for what he is. And I'm not going to say the Warriors are going to miss his talent because they got Boogie. But, like, they might. JaVale, 
JaVale deserves a lot more credit than what the NBA Twitter and NBA media give, media give him. And even Shaq was showing him love after, like, they beefed for a while. And Shaq was even giving him love the first night of the NBA. So I'm glad JaVale is kind of becoming this figure where, like, he gets more respect from the greats and the guys that played his position. Big shit popping number two, Lonzo's three-point shot. It's looking spectacular. I will talk more about this in the next segment because he is the player that's going to be highlighted for the player segment portion of the podcast, but his three-point shot's looking great. It's going in. It looks fluid. It doesn't look as crazy as it did last year. He he jumps not as like a, not as forward as he did last season and for the most part when he gets an open look, he's taking it and that's what we need from him. Hart, his offensive game is just spectacular. His ability to finish in transition is amazing. His shot, for the most part, is great. He's able to dribble in pick-and-roll situations. He's able to set up others. He's able to bring the ball up in transition as well. And I don't know. I think... What I think Josh Hart would be more effective at as well is setting screens because he is a big, strong dude. So maybe have him set screens like kind of what Steph Curry and Clay Thompson do in Golden State because they do have their guards set screens. I see Steph set a ton of screens. So it would be kind of cool to see him kind of implement that into his game because Lonzo already sets a lot of screens, so maybe... Hart go a set and screen, and then someone's come and set a screen for Hart to kind of free up Hart to maybe just get him easier looks to knock down from three. So there are ways to get Hart more offensive great looks because he is a great offensive player as of right now. We need to see him kind of hit those strides on the defensive side of the ball on the perimeter because he is a good low post defender. It's just we need him to kind of shut people down on the wing because that's our problem right now like his defensive rating is terrible so we need him to kind of fix that perimeter defense because he has all the tools to be more than just a three and d guy but he needs to become that defensive stopper that we need him to be and the last uh, portion in the big shit popping segment is going to be nipsey hustle and just dude shout out for looking ready to jump into that fight against the Rockets. He looked ready. He looked like he was going to grab a gun because that's what the uh, that's what the running joke is that if you ever saw someone stand up the way he did and fix his pants, like they normally had something on them. So that shit was hilarious. Twitter is always good for jokes when stuff like that happens. But Nipsey Hussle was rocking the Magic Johnson jersey. He also had a fantastic album drop this year and he would have kicked Travis Scott's ass. It wouldn't have even been a fight. Nipsey would have just cold clocked that motherfucker. So Nipsey Hustle is just fantastic. Thanks for being at the Lakers home opener. I hope you're able to attend a game in which they win. Win. And I would also say your album was better than Astro World, so we'll leave it at that. Maybe next time bring YG to the game or I don't know, just <laughs> make sure you're at the next game you win. Now let's head into the Lonzo player segment of this um, podcast. And 
I am very pleased with how well Alonzo looked to start the season. He looked fantastic at the end of preseason, and it looks like it carried over. For whatever reason, it seems like he's a little... He's a little, like, off to begin the game. Like, he's a slow starter, so maybe now that he's back in the starting lineup, he'll be able to get that, like, mojo going from the jump because it does look like he is a slow starter. Normally, like, last year, I believe it was, like, the Knicks game where he had, like, a slow first half and then, like, he turned it around in that third quarter stretch where, like, he was the best player on the court for that third quarter stretch. So we'll see. Um... Jeez, what did what did Eli just do? No, he threw an incomplete pass. Ooh, that's not what you want to do with a one yard line. So, yeah, like against that against the Knicks, he had that tremendous stretch in like the second half. Against the Sixers, he did the same thing last year. So maybe it's just like he picks his spots, like when he wants to attack, when he's not going to. But I want aggressive Lonzo all the time because he is very very passive at times. So I just want to see that aggressive Lonzo back and kind of like the Phoenix Suns version of Lonzo when Lonzo came out and had like that 30 point 10 rebound game in the second game of the season last year I want to see that Lonzo daily and I was just very pleased with Lonzo's like knee and his conditioning to start the season I don't think there's any lingering effects on that knee so his minute restriction has his minute restriction has been lifted. He is good to go. He's starting for the first time this season, and like I have a lot of I'm not gonna say critiques, but like just desires for Lonzo with the actual game. So, and one of those desires is I feel like he needs to guard the other team's best guard because our team commits a lot of dumb fouls. You know who probably leads the team in not committing dumb fouls? Lonzo. Just go ahead and rewatch the Rockets Laker game. When other people were guarding James Harden, they were getting baited into just terrible foul calls that were called by the refs because they, James Harden likes to flop and like fucking flail like Ginobili, but Ginobili never got all those calls, but Harden does. And what Lonzo did in the fourth quarter was just play defense with his hands behind his back. And that shit is hilarious because it's almost how you have to defend James Harden because if you reach in the slightest, and he throws his fat-ass body backwards, he's going to get the call from the refs because the refs like to cater to him. The refs love catering to that bearded bitch. So, I want to see Lonzo kind of guard the other team's best player because he's a smart defender. He knows when to reach, when the ref's not going to call it, how to get his hands in like passing lanes, and with him guarding the other team's best guard, it's going to keep other players out of foul trouble. Something that, even I believe LeBron was even in foul trouble the first game. I believe Ingram and Hart were in foul trouble the second game, and Kuzma was as well. So if Lonzo's able to become that defensive beast that we all see and expect him to be, it'll keep our team out of foul trouble. And if Lonzo's not going to be on ball on offense, and he's just going to play off ball to where he's setting screens, shooting threes, then he could kind of use all of his energy on the defensive side of the ball to kind of give the other people that are going to be handling the ball on the offensive side some rest. So it'll be cool to see how he works that side of the coin. And 
Again, I haven't looked at the lineup stat combos, but it does seem that he does his best work with Josh Hart and LeBron in the lineup with him. Maybe it's just like Josh Hart's big, strong, can defend at times. Lonzo, big, strong, can defend. LeBron, big, strong. I don't know if it's like some just like like weird like strength lineup because when Ingram's in the game, sometimes he gets bodied. Hart can't be bodied. LeBron can't be bodied in the post. Lonzo really can't be bodied in the post by positions one through three. So maybe they just have like some weird synergy in the games together. But it seems like when those three people play, they communicate and switch well on defense, and they, they could all push in transition. So I would like to see that three-player lineup continue. And, yeah, I believe Luke is going to be forced to in the next three, four games as well with the, suspension, the suspensions that we have. Another great thing about Lonzo is his shot is f dropping from deep. It looks like it's going to go in every single time as long as he doesn't hesitate. My younger brother said, hey, Lonzo Ball's shot is always going to hit net. And that's referring to him either airballing it or it's going in the basket because I believe he has like three airballs on the year and he's made five threes and I believe he's taken what 13 so like more than half of his threes have hit rim and that's just fucking hilarious and for those that do watch the games instead of actually just looking at box scores to kind of like create your own narrative when Lonzo hesitates he's going to miss like it's not a like it's not a weird hypothesis i've seen him never make a shot after that hesitation now when he doesn't hesitate it looks like the ball is going to go in like 80 percent of the time because it looks fluid it has a nice like trajectory on going in as well like say whatever you want about like his release and his like shooting motion the ball technically goes like straight it doesn't have like this weird curving motion it does look like a nba player shot so when he doesn't hesitate it looks fluid it looks like just some random three-point shooter is shooting as well so just work on those mechanics just without hesitating have confidence in your shot you're actually probably the lakers best uh, three-point shooter on the team right now that's taken more than five so just keep shooting, Lonzo. When you're open, shoot that shit. Because you are talented. You shot well at UCLA. You had stretches last year where you shot over 40% for more than 10 games. Just have confidence in yourself. And we're just going to do like a quick overview on Lonzo's stats this season. He's averaging 10.5 points, 5 rebounds, 2.5 assists, and 0.5 steals in 23 minutes. Obviously, those numbers are a bit down from last year, but that's just because of the minutes restriction. There are no longer any minute restrictions for him this season, so look for those numbers to go up. He was also coming off the bench. He's now starting. Look for those numbers to go up. Points will go up. Rebounds will go up. Assist, I'm not sure if it'll drastically go up, but it'll go up as well just because LeBron can handle the ball so much. Lonzo's usage rate is down. With Rondo out, we'll see what happens to that. And percentage-wise, if he can keep this up, it's a very successful jump in percentage-wise for him. He's shooting 41% from the field, 41.7% from three. 
amazing. If you're able to shoot 41.7% from three, the defense is going to have to guard you in different ways, and you're going to be able to exploit that because you are a very smart player. If you are able to just hit that consistently, they will have to respect you. And shout out to all you haters who said Lonzo can't shoot free throws. He's shooting 100% from the free throw line this season. Now, I know he's only taken two of them, but suck it. He only shot like 40-ish or 50-ish free throws last season, and he said, oh, he's a terrible free throw shooter because he shot like 50%. So when you don't shoot that many free throws per game, your free throw percentage can be drastically affected off of one or two misses per game. Luckily, he made both that he took against the Trailblazers because I don't want to hear people say, oh, he's shooting 0% from the free throw line this season. It's just, hey, he's made both that he's took, and they actually looked like they were going in as well. So the, that thing where I say his shooting motion looks great from three, when he's shooting at the free throw line, I don't know if it's going to go in every time he releases it or not. Same with Brennan Ingram. We have some terrible free throw mechanics on this team, and that's why we're such a bad free throw shooting team. But if Lonzo's able to keep up this 40-40, and it'll never be 100, but keep it like 75 to 80, that is the efficiency we want. This is what we need going forward. And come on, that was a catch. But I'm still watching the Falcons game. I want Julio to get a touchdown. I just feel like the world needs it to happen. And so just regarding Lonzo's, like, stat-wise, very impressive for the amount of minutes he hasn't gotten. Minute restriction is off, so very excited for him starting against the Spurs tonight. And I believe the Spurs have, like, their two point guards out. That's, uh, what, Deontay Murray and the guy they drafted this season. So maybe Lonzo plays well against a third stringer tonight, so... Let's hope he can kind of have this impressive game because the last time he did play the Spurs, he was very impressive. So I'm just going to kind of go over like some X's and O's that Lonzo did very well against the Rockets. He cut very well when the um, when Kuzma found him on the cut. Last season, Lonzo made a lot of cuts. None of the people found him last year. Kuzma found him this year, and he finished the layup beautifully. He didn't rush it. Lonzo rushes a lot of layups. That's why he's not a great finisher. He needs to have more confidence as well. Main thing with Lonzo is just confidence. When he gets that up, he's going to be such a better player for it. So he cut very well on the layup. Kuzma found him. Boom. Easy two points. Then Hart was dribbling, and I believe Lonzo was in the corner. And... Hart was kind of getting stuck in the paint, so he rotated over from the corner to the top of the key. Rondo was in at like the elbow extended from the the three. He was at the three-point line, elbow extended. Lonzo rotated all the way over instead of Rondo, got an open three. It was able to confuse Harden and I believe CP3. They thought they were switching. It didn't happen. Lonzo got an open three, splash. A very, very, very good IQ move because... When someone's going to get stuck in the paint, their worst fear is no one's moving to get open. Lonzo moved to get open, made the correct basketball play, shot the three, splash. Now, when Lonzo was dribbling the ball, he, I believe, called for a screen with Kuzma. I don't remember. I think it was Chris Paul. He went under the screen. When someone goes under the screen, you have to make them pay. You have to be able to make that wide open three-point shot. What did Lonzo do? Splashed it. 
then out of the out-of-bounds play. They found Lonzo open after a pick. CP3 didn't fully close. Lonzo shot it with no hesitation. That bitch went in. These are very routine plays that Lonzo can continue to make. And if he can continue to just knock them down, his stats are going to look very nice. His advanced stats will look nice. His efficiency will look nice. And the most important thing is it'll probably help us get more victories, more Ws this season. And it'll just be a very kind of good stepping stone for him to build off of a very successful rookie season to have this confidence-boosting, efficiency, amazing second season. And then he also made uh, P.J. Tucker pay when he didn't close out. So it seems like people aren't respecting his three yet, but I will talk more about that in just like a few seconds. Actually, we'll talk about that right now. So after he made those four threes, right? He was like four or seven from the field. He showed that he can make that shit, so what happened? What happens when you are a good, when you're a questionable shooter that makes three or four in the game they will have to respect your shot and they will have to close out on you when Gerald Green closed out on Lonzo Lonzo kind of hit him with that see Lonzo has that weird shooting motion to where I don't know like when his pump fake is going to happen but he looked like he did give Gerald Green like a slight like it looked like he was about to raise up into a shot which made Green close even more and then he just drove right past him and threw that lob to JaVale Easy two points. That was one of my favorite Lonzo plays, and he threw it right on the money where JaVale could only get it. JaVale dunked it in right just perfectly. And then that's what will happen if he's able to just make a three. Because he has so much more skill in like his repertoire to where he will be able to showcase it once people respect him from three. So that's him just being able to knock down a three. Because then that allows him to make passes in the passing lanes that no other player can. That allows him to just show off his dribbling skill and... Damn. Odell is very good. Just... Like, he'll be able to become a more complete player after that. What happens when someone bites on the pump fake? Normally, you're going to be one-on-one with the center at the basket. So maybe that helps him get more confidence in his finishing ability. So I don't know. Just when people start respecting his three, just watch out for the improvements, the strides that he's going to have in his actual game. Maybe he'll start the pulling up in transition, not in transition, but pulling up in the mid-range game. We saw it against the Pistons last season. So I'm just excited to see what's going to happen tonight. My only critique on Lonzo in the first game, or not the first game, but the uh, second game against the Rockets is he got that, he had a corner three that he passed up. CP3 didn't bite. Like, he kind of, I don't, I don't think CP3 respects Lonzo's jumper, and he kind of gave him, like, a fake closeout and then, like, stopped in the, like, middle to where Lonzo had already committed to driving in, so... He should have shot the open shot, but Lonzo was still able to drive on a collapsed paint, and he still was able to find an open LeBron James for three. So even when you're kind of taking things away from him, he still has enough talent to overcome that. There is a reason why I call this a Zotime podcast show. I am a true believer that one day Lonzo Ball is going to be a top 10 player in the league. And maybe... 
if that never happens, he'll have like a top 10 impact on the league, kind of how like a Draymond Green has the impact on the Warriors, but you wouldn't probably throw him in the top 10 for MVP. I just believe Lonzo has this chance to just be an insane asset for a championship winning team. And this is evident, so he was able to make that pass to LeBron for the corner three. LeBron missed it, but guess who was battling for the board? Lonzo. He was able to get up and then make the ball deflect off of a rocket to go to balance where it kept the possession alive. Alonzo seems to always hustle. He's great at rebounding. Um, I don't know if it's just the shots with Kuzma because I don't know if I just noticed this more because when Kuzma drives and lays it up, normally I see Lonzo cut to the basket to try and finish a tip-in if Kuzma's going to miss. I don't know if he does this for other players, but when Kuzma normally drives to drives and lay it in, I see Lonzo try and get a, either an offensive board or a tip-in after Kuzma's driving. And for the most part, Kuzma does make them, and you just see Lonzo in the air just touching the rim after the ball's already gone in the basket. But it's just cool to see that Lonzo always wants to make the extra effort, that he has this hustle in him. With Rondo gone, this playmaking duties will expand. He has no minutes restriction. Hopefully this move puts him into the starting lineup permanently. The light skin connection is back with Kyle Kuzma and Lonzo Ball. And... For this stretch, and hopefully for the rest of the season, I just want to see him more active on defense. Get me the steals, get me the blocks. The steals will lead to easy transition buckets with him to LeBron, or him finishing himself. And obviously the steals and blocks help his defensive all-NBA team that I'm pushing for this season. Lonzo, I am so glad that you're back. So glad that you're back healthy. And you look you look like the player I've been talking you up to be in the offseason. Like, the game against the Rockets, you saw the flash. And I love that our crowd doesn't go crazy when Lonzo makes a three like the Sixers do. I'm glad they don't give him like a standing ovation every time he hits a three because that's almost a little bit embarrassing for Fultz. I don't want to see our fans embarrass Lonzo like that. So again, let's go, young king. Let's get that W tonight. Now let's just talk about the fight real quick. I didn't realize how long I went on that um, tangent for. But shout out to Al Adam Silver. If that was David Stern, he would have definitely been on some bullshit. Ingram probably would have gone 20 games. But no, the homie Adam Silver. Ingram only got four. Rondo only got three. So just shout out Al Adam Silver. Again, a big fuck you to David Stern. And CP3 finally got what he deserved. He's an annoying crybaby little bitch that flops every single time he does as well. I've seen him... Ooh, sorry about that. I've seen him in a bunch of arguments over the years and it normally is a flop or he instigates and then who sorry about that again whoo where he instigates it and then flops so i'm glad rondo finally had enough of his shit and just popped him in the face i don't condone violence in the nba i don't want to see players fighting but if you're going to continue to be a little bitch year after year after year you're finally going to get hit and i'm i'm totally fine with Rondo popping you in the face. It was funny as hell seeing Ingram toss Harden like that after the whistle had been blown. He just kind of gave him that shove where Ingram was just fed up with Harden's bullshit as well because Harden will lean into you, lean into you. He will cause all the contact, but yet the ref will reward that bitch ass. So Ingram finally just said, fuck that beard shit. Um, and yeah, Ingram showed a lot of like fight in him. 
he definitely probably should not have went up to the ref like that. Lance Stevenson saved him from a year-long suspension because in that moment, I thought Ingram was going to throw something at the ref. I was very. I saw the season flash before my eyes right there. I'm very glad Lance Stevenson came in and saved Ingram because I'm not sure if Ingram would have thrown a punch at the ref, but Harden was behind the ref, and it looked like Ingram wanted to do something. So Lance saved his ass. Lonzo at least made it into the scrum this year. He, it's an improvement over last year where he just kind of like stood off. He tried to contain Ingram after the initial thing happened before the punch was thrown by Rondo. He tried to contain Ingram, get him away from the play. So he's at least in the scrum. Contrast to James Harden, who just stood there and watched it all. So I'm glad Lonzo at least has his teammates back, unlike the fraud MVP. Um, Ingram is that dude. It seems like he... It's, that seems like a very leader-ish move to do. Ingram had no idea what was going on. Again, I don't condone punches being thrown, but he said he saw five on two and he just reacted. And that happened. Um, the fight might energize a team. I predict when Ingram comes back, he is going to be a killer. Like He's going to be ready to just kind of take the NBA by storm. I feel like that was kind of his, like, you know what, I'm too good for this shit like, moment. I think he was like, you know what, I need to show myself as a leader. When I come back, I'm going to do this thing and be the player that I need to be. Um, it's good that our teammates have each other's back. It all started from the uh, Josh Hart foul when Josh Hart got flagrant. Or not when Josh Hart got flagrant. But when Josh Hart went up for the layup and some dude clotheslined him. That's where this all stemmed from. There was a lot of like tension in the building when that happened. And yeah, we just don't need any more suspensions coming this season because when the injury bug does finally hit, we'll have players missing from the rotation. So we just need... To avoid uh, to avoid other games from being like taken from us as well, so like we don't need any more suspensions because that'll just add on to the tally of missed games, and we don't need that. So hopefully we keep it calm the rest of the season, but also like send messages in other ways. But I was expecting ten games from Brandon Ingram to be suspended, maybe even twenty. But the homie Adam Silver said, "Nah, only four. Again, prediction time segment of this podcast. I am terrible at this. I am sorry. Do not listen to my shit if you are going to bet. If you just want to hear some Lakers biased talk, I will predict a lot of Laker wins. But normally, once we get our first win, I think I'll be able to stop saying, hey, we're going to win this game. But I am calling a win against the Spurs tonight. We can't go 0-3, even though the Paul George and Russ Thunder have. So while a lot of people are making fun of LeBron being 0-2, Russell Westbrook and PG3, PG, PG-13% are 0-3, so just make sure everyone gets the same energy. I believe we're going to see a special night from Braun where he just kind of suns DeMar DeRozan again. Kyle Kuzma is going to bounce back in the three-point category tonight. And also, shout-out to Pau Gasol. You get to play again in Staples. I don't know how many years you have left. I don't know how many games against the Lakers you have left. But Pau Gasol... Us Laker fans, we love you. You're a Lakers legend. I hopefully, hopefully, hopefully you do not beat us with the Spurs, but I just want to see you play very well. Um, can't wait to see your rap, your number go up in the rafters. If you want to play again next season for a reduced price, come to LA. 
And that'll do it for the show. Make sure you guys all make sure you guys all follow along during the week at, at Zotime Podcast on Twitter. I'll be pushing these podcasts more. Yeah, until the next time we speak, go Lakers. Down with the-